Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon highlighting the significance of baptism. Pastor Clark explores the history of baptism and what it means to us as believers today. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Nothing drives action like the conviction of hearts and minds about something that needs to be done, about something that needs to change. In the mid-1800s in the country of Sweden, a revival broke out when people started reading the Bible on their own in their own language. Now, this was long after the the printing press had been uh, made and long after Bibles were uh, printed in uh, native languages, but in the in the country of Sweden, the state church was the Lutheran church, and that was not something that was encouraged. So this revival broke out despite what was encouraged in that state church because people began to read the Bible. And this movement that became known as the Swedish Baptist Church is, is one that, that we actually, our movement of churches has strong ties to, but, but what happened was people began to, to read the scriptures for themselves. And so this movement was called Lasser, which literally means in Swedish reader, because they were reading. And so they began reading. They began reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when they got to the book of Acts, something happened. Because as they read the book of Acts, they, they began to notice a pattern, a pattern that happened in the early church as the early church was coming into being. And they saw that People's lives were being changed through faith in Jesus. And when their lives were changed and they believed, they would go and they would be baptized by immersion. And they began to say, wait a minute. No, that's not what we've been taught all of our lives. We've been taught that you know, when you have a baby, you baptize them. But, but look in Scripture, there's someone who comes to faith. And because they believe in Jesus, because now that they're following Jesus and they want to align with him, they are baptized. And, and so th- this powerful movement had such strong impact on people and their convictions, they began to do the unthinkable. They would sneak out in, at night under the cover of darkness to lakes and to rivers, and they would baptize one another. And, and it's from that movement that uh, our ancestors uh, came to faith in Jesus and began to grow. Uh, this morning, We're going to look at the topic of baptism. Uh, Why? Because this simple act of devotion is a powerful demonstration of a Christ follower's devotion. And it's an important act of identification with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's start by, by looking at baptism as a demonstration of devotion. So uh, go back into the Gospels. After the resurrection of Jesus, he appeared to his disciples and he gave them a command, a command that we actually call today the Great Commission. And this is what Jesus said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So if you were paying attention There are four commands in those verses. But scholars point out that the the only command in the original language that's in the active tense, and so thus it's the dominant command, is the command 
to make, to make disciples. All of the other verbs serve that command. So those other three commands to, to serve, uh, serve the command to make disciples. And they tell us that we make disciples by going to them. We make disciples by baptizing them. We make disciples by teaching them to obey Jesus. Now, think this process through. Uh, it's a three-step process for making disciples, people who follow Jesus. We go to someone and we tell them about Jesus. When that person decides to believe in Jesus and follow him, then we continue the disciple processing process by baptizing them. And then we further the disciple process by teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught. Now, Obviously, we're not going to talk about all of those. We're going to talk about the baptism part of that process. And so to do that, let's go back uh, to what Jesus did after his resurrection. The Bible tells us that Jesus was resurrected and for the next 40 days, he appeared to the disciples. And in that time that he appeared to them, he taught them many things. One of the things that he taught them was about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said that in, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to stay there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, they didn't really understand what that meant and what that would mean for their lives or for the future of the followers of Jesus. At that time, there were the 12 disciples. One had been chosen to replace Judas who had hung himself. And then there were about, you know, another 100 or so people that were gathered with him. And so, um, Jesus then ascended into heaven, and they're hanging out in Jerusalem waiting for this coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes down on, on the day of Pentecost. And what happens is all of these followers of Jesus are gathered in this room is that the Holy Spirit comes on them with power, and they're able to speak in languages that they'd never spoken before. And so they, they go outside of the house where they're meeting, and they begin to witness for Jesus to people who spoke different languages. And it had such a powerful effect that, that a crowd of people began to, to gather because they wanted to know what was going on. And at this point, moved by the Spirit, the Apostle Peter stands up. And, and he preaches the, the first evangelistic uh, sermon that's ever been preached in, in Scripture. And he tells them who Jesus is and what he's done. And uh, he points out to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And so at the end of this message, the people say, what should we do now that you've told us this? And this is what, this is what Peter says. And it's in chapter 2, verse 38 of the book of Acts. He says, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, I want you to notice the progression in that verse, okay? Because it's a pattern that's repeated throughout the New Testament. Peter says, repent of your sins and turn to God in faith. He's saying, accept Jesus as your Savior who died to pay for your sins and rose again. And now follow him as your Lord. Now that's the faith part. But then he tells them that their first act of obedience and devotion to Jesus is to be baptized. Now, I know as you read what Peter says, it sounds like he's saying that you need to be baptized for your sins to be forgiven. But 
What it sounds like and what it means is not the same, all right? What Peter is saying is that because you believed and received forgiveness of your sins from God, the next thing you should do is be baptized. Forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus is the necessary grounds for being baptized. So here's what we all need to see. It's this pattern. This pattern of believe and then be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Read through the book of Acts and you will see this pattern repeated time after time after time. And you'll see the response of the people who believed and then were baptized. You know, after Peter told the people to believe and be baptized, we read a few verses later these words. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to the number of the church that day. Explosive growth. Now, that's not the only time this happened. When the apostle Philip went to Samaria and he told people about Jesus, they believed. And what did he do? He baptized them. When Philip uh, ran into an Ethiopian official, uh, he told him about Jesus. And the man believed. And he saw some water and he said, what's keeping me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. So they went right back, went down and they baptized him. Uh, when the apostle Paul came to faith in Jesus, what did he do? He was baptized. When Cornelius, the Roman soldier, believed, he went to Peter. And he said, listen, I believe in this Messiah. I want you to come and tell me and my household about Jesus. And so he, Peter came and he told them about Jesus. And this was radical because Peter was Jewish by birth and this was a Gentile household. And he was crossing all of these barriers that he had been told not to cross. And he shared Christ with them and they all believed. So what did he do? He baptized them. And then... When Paul and Timothy uh, went to uh, Laodicea, they ran into a woman named Lydia and they shared Christ with her and her whole family and they were all baptized. And then when Paul and Silas were beaten and put in jail in Philippi, there was an earthquake and everybody was released from the cells and the uh, jailer uh, feared for his life and you know, Paul reached out and said, listen, don't, don't do anything to harm you. He said, well, we're staying here because of the Lord Jesus. And he witnessed to him and the jailer said, come back to my house and I'm going to help you. I'm going to bandage your wounds. And while they were there, he shared Christ with the jailer and the entire family. And they all believed in Jesus. And what happened? They were baptized. And then later on in Corinth, Paul shares with the leader of a synagogue and his entire family about Jesus. And they believed and they were baptized. This was the pattern. It was the normal demonstration of devotion. You believe what's your first step of devotion, you get baptized. Now, this is what happened time and time again, day after day, month after month, year after year. But as time went on, as humans do, they, they sort of change things and morph things and bend things to, to fit what they want things to look like. And uh, eventually what began to happen was people began to see baptism not as a response to being saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but they began to say, well, wait a minute, baptism saves us, which is the furthest thing from the truth, which Scripture doesn't teach. Um, but this was uh, hurried on along its way by leaders at that time. You may be familiar with the emperor Constantine. He was uh, the uh, emperor of the Roman Empire. He was the first Christian emperor. And 
after he came to Christ, he, he said to uh, the church leaders, listen, I don't want to be baptized, you know, because I, I'm concerned that after, if I'm baptized now, that I'm probably going to sin between now and when I die. So I want to wait in, until just before I die to be baptized. Now, obviously, there's a problem like that. When you're on your deathbed, you really can't uh, take somebody down to the brook and baptize them. And so Constantine sort of uh, ushered in this idea of, of sprinkling with water and calling it a baptism. And so that's what happened. Uh, on his deathbed, Constantine uh, was baptized in, in that fashion. Now, uh, in the next century, uh, the church leader, St. Augustine, also began to say, listen, you know, um, because of original sin, all, all kids are born with sin, and so um, we should baptize them a, as infants. And, and, of course, they felt like the sooner the better. I mean, right, oftentimes right after birth, and you don't want to take a newborn and go dunk them in a, in a cold brook or lake and so they began that process of sprinkling so it's this idea that, that things were changed but in both of these deviations from what Jesus commanded baptism to be which was a response to saving grace we understand that what baptism means and what baptism does the understanding of it was significantly changed not from uh, not no longer aligning with what Scripture says about baptism, but what people wanted it to be. So baptism is commanded by Jesus. It's, it's commanded by Jesus to be a proclamation to God in heaven and to everyone else on earth that you're now a follower of Jesus. It's the... Uh, initial and immediate step of obedience for the person who has declared their faith in Jesus. And that declaration is supposed to be done public. It's supposed to be done after one is saved by faith, not before. It's supposed to be done when you're old enough to be able to voice with your own heart and mind that you believe in Jesus. So we see that in Scripture, every single person who believed in Jesus from the day of Pentecost forward believed and then was baptized. Now, I appreciate the, the words of Max Lucado. If you've ever read any of uh, Pastor Max Lucado's books, you understand what I say. He just, he, he's a wordsmith and, and writes beautifully. So let me share with you what he writes. He says, our danger is to swing to one of two extremes. We make baptism either too important or too unimportant. Either we deify it or we trivialize it. One can see baptism as the essence of the gospel or as irrelevant to the gospel. Both sides are equally perilous. One person says, I'm saved because I was baptized. The other person says, I uh, the other person says, I am saved, so I don't need to be baptized. The, the challenge is to let the pendulum stop in the middle of those two viewpoints. And this is done by placing it where it should be. Baptism should be at the foot of the cross. He goes on, baptism is like a precious jewel set apart by itself. It is nice and appealing, but it has nothing within it to compel but place baptism against the backdrop of our sin and turn on the light of the cross and that jewel explodes with significance. 
Baptism at once reveals the beauty of the cross and the darkness of sin. As a gem has many facets, baptism has many sides. Cleansing, burial, resurrection, the death of the old, the birth of the new. Just as the stone has no light within it, baptism has no inherent power. But just as the gem prisms the light into many colors, so baptism reveals the many facets of God's grace. You know, when I was a young pastor, I began to study what baptism says, what the Bible says about baptism. And though I had baptized dozens of infants, I came to the realization that the only kind of baptism spoken about in the Bible is what we call believer's baptism. To be specific, the only kind of baptism mentioned in Scripture is a baptism that follows the pattern of a person professing their faith in Jesus Christ and out of obedience to Jesus teaching an example to be baptized by immersion. So in response to that, at the age of 36, I was baptized by immersion. Jesus told us to baptize and to be baptized. Baptism is a declaration that we have believed in Jesus and have been saved, and now we are his followers. It's our demonstration of devotion to Jesus. And here's the second thing it is. It's, it's our act of identification with Jesus. It's important to pause here to study the word baptize. The, the Greek word for baptize literally means to immerse, to dip in ancient secular writings, the word is used to describe the, the process of washing things in water or of ships that have sunk. Or in the fabric industry, it's to describe how fabric is dyed. In all of those instances, immersion is necessary. So from those uses, we understand that, that baptism is the full immersion of a person into the water. It's the picture we get in the Gospels when John baptizes Jesus. The scriptures say he came up out of the water. So that means he went down in the water in baptism and came up out of the water after he was immersed. Now, look, I mean no disrespect, but for years I performed many baptisms by sprinkling the heads of infants and adults with water. But that's not what the word baptize means. Let's go back to the other uses of the word baptize. If you sprinkle dishes in the sink with water, have they been washed? No. If you sprinkle a ship with water, will it sink? No. If you're a, a, a fabric maker and you want to dye your fabric and change its color, if you sprinkle it with dye, will it dye the fabric and change its color? No. On the other hand, if you immerse those dishes in water, you will wash them clean. If you fill and immerse a ship with water, it will sink. And if you take fabric that has not been dyed and immerse it in a colored dye, it will fully color all of it. Notice this. The immersion does something. It changes the way we see what was immersed. All right? 
It doesn't change the physical makeup of the things, but it changes the way they are identified. It changes the way they are identified. Now, let's look at what the New Testament says about baptism. In the book of Colossians, we read this. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So I want you to think about baptism. I want you to think about baptism as being like being buried. Now, I know that's not a pleasant thought, but just walk with me for a minute on this. When we baptize somebody by immersion, there's a moment when the person is covered by water. It's like being buried, but it's only for a moment because then they are raised back up out of the water. It's like being raised back to life. It's like a resurrection. It's the same imagery found in the book of Romans where we read this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So understand what these scriptures are saying. It's saying that through our demonstration of devotion by being baptized, that we are literally able to experience a death and resurrection to new life in Christ. This baptismal experience is our act of identifying ourselves with Jesus. It's saying we believe in Christ and we belong to Christ and through his forgiveness we have become new people. It goes right along with the scriptures that we read in 2 Corinthians where it says this, if anyone Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old life has been put to death and we've been raised in a new life. So do you see how the act of baptism is the act of identification for a believer in Christ? If you're laid back in the water, it's as if you're being buried. In baptism, we're buried like he was buried, but then we're raised back to life up out of the water like he was raised back to life. And when, we're, when we do that, it's symbolic that because we have believed in Jesus, because we've decided to follow him, we've become new people. Because we have literally accepted his forgiveness for our sins and we've been forgiven. We've been purified. We've been washed clean. It is only in baptism by immersion, that this biblical word picture, this biblical imagery works. What we read in the book of Galatians drives this identification deeper. It says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This makes it clear that our identity in Christ makes us part of something bigger than ourselves. Those old, way of, uh, those old ways of separating people by ethnicity, by socioeconomic background, by gender have been demolished by Christ. Those things that separated us separate us no more because of our common faith in Jesus Christ we're united and because we have all partaken in a common act of devotion by being baptized, we're united with him. 
as it says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. It's this idea that the act of baptism gives us a new identity. And that new identity is being a follower of Jesus. Here's what I want us all to see about baptism. Jesus commands us to be baptized as his followers. Being baptized is a demonstration of our devotion and obedience to Jesus and his teaching. But baptism is also this incredible image of us dying to our old selves and our old ways of life and our old beliefs and being resurrected to a new life and our new ways of believing and our new faith in Jesus and it's our identity in Christ. You see, I hope from this message you've seen that, that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. As we read in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We're saved by faith. Baptism is our first act of obedience that we're called to follow. So what's, what's the take-home message in this? If you believe in Jesus and you've never been baptized by immersion, then out of obedience and devotion to Jesus, you should be baptized by immersion. If you're wondering uh, if you were baptized as an infant, should you be rebaptized by immersion? So let me say this. If that's you, be grateful that you had parents who cared enough about you to set you apart for God through that ceremony. Um, because of their devotion, you have an opportunity to complete their prayer for you by willingly submitting to a baptism by immersion. Uh, this is not a sign of disrespect for your parents. In fact, it can be seen as a fulfillment of their prayers. Uh, and be thankful that you have that heritage of parents who were concerned for your spiritual growth. But don't neglect your responsibility as an adult to make your personal pledge toward God in baptism. So what if you uh, want to be baptized, but you don't think you know enough or you don't think you're good enough? Go back and read the book of Acts. Look at every single person who was baptized. Every single person who was baptized heard the message of Jesus, responded in faith, and were baptized. They were brand new baby Christians. They were brand new believers. They had no experience in following him. They didn't know anything except Jesus loved them enough to die for them on the cross and pay for their sins. And they believed that. And they were baptized. And as to the question, well, I'm not sure I'm good enough, what qualifies as good enough? Uh, th those people uh, that we read about in Scripture, none of them would say they were good enough. It's not about earning it. It's not about doing what Constantine did, which was, which was so off base. It's about recognizing what he's done for you, believing in him, and then taking that first step of devotion. So what about those of us who demonstrated our devotion through baptism years ago? What should we do? Well, look, this is my hope. It's my hope that you can celebrate that demonstration of devotion that you made to Jesus some time ago. And it's my hope that you've learned today something about your identity in Christ. That, that you've learned that through the very act of being baptized by immersion, that you have 
literally identified yourself with his death and resurrection, that, that um, you, you once were lost, that you once were a person who, who was a sinner, but you found Jesus and you believed and you were washed free of your sin when you professed your faith in him and accepted his forgiveness. And then you took that step of declaration, that act of devotion, and declared to God and to the world that you're his son, that you're his daughter through the act of baptism. So look, I want to encourage you to, to lean into what Scripture says about this. And if you feel led to be baptized, give me a call, write me an email, text me, let me know. Write it on the welcome card and drop it in the offering basket. We're doing baptisms next week. We already had a couple of people say at the first service, you know what, I want to be baptized. I put it off and that was the wrong thing to do. If you've never been baptized by immersion, let me know. We'll get together. We'll talk about it. We'll help you take that step of devotion and identify yourself with Christ in this very powerful and significant way. So let me pray for us all, if you would bow your heads. Father, we thank you that you have given us this calling to be your followers. You've told us what it means to be faithful to you. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us that if we haven't taken that step, that we would and that we would know it was an act of devotion to you. And if we have, Lord, that we would lean into that fact that we've identified ourselves with you. And so now we're your son, your daughter, we're your child by faith. And we want to live in that truth each and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.